0: Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today my next guest is a news reporter and journalist who has been a lifelong Everton fan. Please welcome to the show, Toffee Supporter and
1: my friend, Dylan Firon. Welcome, Dylan. Sal, great to be here, man. Glad to be part of season three. Let's get it going. All right, man. I love how pumped you are. We were just
0: talking in the pre-interview, just like how, like, the energy in this episode is going to be really fun. So
1: let's. It's going to be a lot more fun than I think the energy going on in the Everton field right now. Uh, I was just going to say. I was just going to. This is going to be a lot more entertaining and and more fun to be a part of than I think uh, the on-field performances we saw last season and then at the start of the season, (laughs) man. And it's unfortunate because we're talking after a couple
0: wild seasons for Everton. And I can't put into words what it has been like as a neutral, just watching this team and what has gone on. So let alone as a lifelong fan, such as yourself, like what do you make of all of it?
1: Well, first of all, uh, I I think things have just been negative for a long time. And if you talk to some, some Everton fans who've been around, you know, 50, 60 plus years, like my father, it's been very negative for about 30 years for someone (laughs) like me, who's 27. I've had some, memories that, that i've enjoyed and, and then i look back on at moments i've loved but for some of the fans who've been around who've seen us lift trophies it's obviously not good enough so it's an interesting dynamic where some of the younger fans expect a lot but also there have been some memories that we've just enjoyed and that's all we know because we're just young but the older fans who have seen us live trophy after trophy in the 80s um just demand demand and expect way more than we're seeing so uh, I think we're hopeful for this season, but we know it's going to be a rebuild. And I think we're just looking towards maybe two or three years down the line, hopefully still with Frank Lampard at the helm and 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 just improving, but a steady improvement year to year. We're not expecting much out of the season, but just staying up again and, and 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 just better than last season, more effort. You know, Everton fans, we, we just demand demand effort, and that is the that is an expectation that you have to meet if you're gonna put on the blue shirt and, and and play for us. You have to have effort, you have to have passion, you have to go for go for balls, you know, press. We just, you have to work hard or do not play. And I think last season we just didn't see the hard work until the last few games when we desperately needed points and we we somehow found a way. We beat Chelsea at home, beat Man United at home, uh, a great winning against Newcastle at home in the 99th minute, an Alex Awobi goal, and of course, the top of all off, was is the second to last game of the season, the last home game of the season, down 2 0 at halftime against Crystal Palace, winning 3 2 with just a few minutes to go with a Dominic Calvert Lewin header. So we found a way. I don't know how we did it because there were times when I thought we're going down and that's it, but we somehow found a way. And now we, we have to show that that wasn't a fluke and that we can continue to, to play well. So we'll see.
0: You know, what's funny about Everton is, is that they remind me. And the fans of Everton, I'm going to say. It's not so much the team, but the fans. They remind me of Southern Italian fans. And I use Italy a lot as a point of reference and City as a point of reference. It is my favorite league. And we are going to talk mm-hmm. about Encelotti in a minute. Yeah. Um, so the thing here is, is that a team like, say, Palermo, for instance, who has been in the last decade a yo-yo team and a team that went all the way down to the doldrums to like the fourth tier. They're currently in City B, the second division. But... 15 years ago, almost 20 years ago, they were in Champions League. And the mm-hmm. Palermo fans have always had like this amazing hope that maybe they'll win something or maybe they will do something. And as long as there's effort there, as long as you try and you put your blood, sweat and tears into that jersey, and the same goes for Napoli supporters and the same goes for or, you know, Bari, like Southern Italian teams And those fans remind me of what you're describing with Everton. It's like, even if the results aren't there and you yo-yo throughout the league or the leagues rather, and you are even in the doldrums, maybe flirting with relegation, as long as you're trying your hardest, we're still going to be there. Is that how it is with Everton? Like, even if God, heaven forbid, and God forbid, like Everton goes down to and gets relegated, like, it'll be a massive blow, but those fans live and die by that team. So if there was effort put into it and the results just simply weren't there, is that change things like the attitude? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I think one, it it doesn't take a ton to please us right now because we've been through so much. I think we don't, we're not expecting trophies right now. We're, we're, we're smarter than that. We're, We're, we're realists at times as well, but I think, we you, we demand hard work and we demand effort. So if if you just go out there and you show passion and you show uh, a love for the game and for the for the club and for the shirt, we will get behind you a thousand percent. And and you see that with play with the play like Anthony Gordon right now, mm-hmm. who's just become our new number ten, and last season was sort of the heart of the team in a, in, a, in a in a season when there was just anything that could go wrong did go wrong. He kept showing passion and grit and pace and effort, and the fans got behind him, and, and we love him. And he's sort of been in that transfer rumor with Chelsea. Um, and, and and I just, you know, if the money was, you know, if the money's there, I guess he's got to go. But we don't want to see him go because of he just embodies everything that's about Everton. So I, I think we're not demanding trophies right now. We just demand hard work and effort and, and, and pace. And I think if we get that, you you can keep us happy and keep us at bay for a little while longer. So, okay. Yeah, that's just that's just the way it is. And you've seen that if you watch us, especially at home, you see that that's exactly what they give in the home matches. Um, can they produce that away from home? Uh, is the big question. So we'll just have to see. But at home, they certainly seem to give a thousand, you know a thousand percent. Most of the players, at least.
0: Now the irony in all of this is is that the team, if I'm not mistaken. Sylvester Stallone is a, is an investor yes. in Everton, yes. so it's the story of Rocky. That's it. It's just you, you know Rocky wins in all the sequels, yes. But they, Rocky they won. Need, they, they, he gets they, his ass kicked. Need- he's the underdog. Like it's perfect
1: that Goodison Park and Everton are the Rocky of the Premier League, right? Dude, he he's a huge Evertonian, and Everton did a preseason trip to Baltimore this summer where they played Arsenal um, at the Baltimore Ravens Stadium, MT Bank Stadium, and I'm saying to my dad they needed to go to Philly for a day and yes. go up the Rocky steps and have the music blasting and Rocky they had, they needed to have Stallone be a part of this or something because uh, it really is that there, there is a lot of irony there. And I think uh, it's great that, the, the, I believe there are a couple other celebrities that that, that follow Everton. Uh, I wish I could remember him, but Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Big Everton fan. He's been, he's been pictured. He's been there. Uh, he's been photographed uh, wearing an Everton scarf, royal blue scarf. So, uh, I think it's great. I think it's great. But they needed they, they needed to bring them to the rocky steps. you know, and right. Motivate them a little bit before the season. That would have been great. Dude, you're so – and just, you know, have them run through Philly.
0: You know, have them run through Philly, do that, and then go up the steps. Like, that's – that's what well, – It's only an to hour do. and a
1: half from Baltimore or something like that. They could have done it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You see, man? This, this, look. This opportunity. You know, you're missing opportunities <laughs> here, but there's always next year if you're listening to this. Yeah, come on. You know, we're Another currently American
1: tour. My dad, my dad and I went to the game in Baltimore, which is great too. Oh, so what and, was um... all right, So
0: what was that atmosphere like as an American audience? What like I'm Everton is a big team and they're a historic team and they are a team with history. But sadly, now, you know, in America, the way the Premier League is sold is that it's sold on goals and it's sold on money and it's sold on like the fact that like Manchester City now is I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And this is no disrespect to Manchester City, but it's like they feel like a bigger club than Manchester United. Like that doesn't sit right with like, I don't know, curmudgeons and old schoolers like me, but like, sadly, in a weird way, United's got the history, of course, but like City's got the money and they've got Erling Holland, and they've got De Bruyne and they've got everybody. And they've got,
1: rec- and they've got, and they got recency really. It's just, you know, they've just that's been it. winning recently and United haven't been winning. So it's like, you know, so Everton is sort of
0: in the shadow of Liverpool who have been winning. So what is that like for a team like Everton to come to America and fill because at Baltimore Arena, if I'm not mistaken, you've been there, you can tell me it's huge. So like, what was that experience like watching this team and this big plays?
1: Right. So I think the upper deck, like the, the highest seats, I think those were, those were sort of empty, right? Everything underneath that was totally packed. And you have to imagine they were playing Arsenal, at, right. you know, so a popular club in America too. I think right. it was probably 70, 30 Arsenal fans in there, but it was loud. It was, And everyone was standing and because, again, most of the fans, if not all of them, don't get to see them on a regular basis. Right. So everyone, even though it was a preseason game, everyone was acting with each pass and each shot and, and the goals like it was a legitimate Premier League game. Or, or even like a cup game. It really had that sort of feel to it at times. And Arsenal won 2-0. They scored bo- both goals in the first half. And um, Gabriel Jesus scored a goal. Uh, I mean, it it, it was an entertaining game if you're an Arsenal fan. As an <laughs> Everton fan, it was great being there for the, just just saying I, I as an adult, I've been at a, an Everton game with my father. For sure. Um, but, you know, we didn't have many chances. I think we had, we had one chance uh, in the second half towards the beginning and and it didn't go in so in terms of the actual play of everton it was it was that was terrible to be honest but just being there was fantastic the one thing i'll say about the popularity of everton in america is i think at a time it was really growing at a faster pace because we had tim howard right Mm -hmm. landon donovan at one point ryan mcbride before that we've had some american players and tim howard played for everton for years so you know, at that at, at some point, I think it, we were gaining popularity then, but we haven't had an American player in, in in some time. And you see a team like Leeds United with a couple of Americans. Right. In um, they're starting to grow here, and I even believe last week that NBC bumped, uh, uh, or, or they at least picked Leeds United against Brighton to put on network over this over a city game over a Chelsea game. Dude, I'm North. well aware, and I'm watching this thinking like oh, this is crazy, and
0: right. I, I have no disrespect to Leeds United.
1: What a boring game. Like I know, I understand- were, it's how, but how funny is that, that they that they picked this game because City does have the American connections now, not only the players, but Jesse Marsh, the manager. Yeah. And, and then they, so they pick a game against Brighton, which if you're a Premier League fan at all, you know any game that Brighton plays, no disrespect, but I've watched a decent amount of Brighton games they're most likely not the not the most entertaining. No, people, the way <laughs> they, they get play. the job done. Right, but I mean, you bump it for Palace City, which historically there have been some great Palace City games. Uh, you bump it for you know potentially Chelsea Leicester, which have been some good Chelsea Leicester matchups. Yeah, uh, I just thought it was, but it shows it. Is, it shows that the Americans here are gaining an interest and in, and and into in, in Leeds, and so maybe that's just what the fans wanted. But it just was funny how it ended up being a a pretty flat game.
0: If I was the, you know, programming director, I understand. And I get all that. As a neutral, I was sort of just like, there's a nine-goal game happening with Liverpool simultaneously. Right. And I'm missing all of this because I'm sitting here watching Pascal Gross be the most amazing player for Brighton. and And again, Pascal Gross is a fine player. But when he's the most entertaining guy in your field... There's a little bit
1: of an imbalance here. Um, right. you, know, and you can so- even fast forward. You can even fast forward Leeds Everton, right? Yeah. It, was on, um, and it was on USA Network. It um, was on USA Network. And the other three games going on at the same time were all moved to Peacock. So, again, just shows it seems like when Leeds are on, uh, if there's a chance to put them on actual TV and not just the stream, uh, they're going to do it.
0: Look, and it's totally smart, too, because here's the other thing is, is that it, Leeds is a great team to sell for to America for all the things that you just said, Jesse Marsh, you have the American players, and it's not a team that wins anything. So if you're a new fan of Premier League, and you want a team, and you start following Leeds, similar to how you were saying, like new incumbents of the Everton fandom happened during the Tim Howard era um it's like oh it's it's a it's an easy safe team to follow because of the fact that you're not front running and it's not a favorite um and so Mm -hmm. you know and i get that um and 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 you're right it is interesting to see that like network and in an era when network tv is so desperate for viewers the fact that like the programming manager is sitting there thinking like no we got to put this team on it speaks volumes, and as I look, I, I know it's it's the Leeds Brighton game. It wasn't the most exciting, and I roll my eyes at it. But for all the reasons why you just said, from from a programming and business standpoint, it's brilliant because
1: you know you're guaranteed people to tune in. And, and with the World Cup coming up too, I think they're trying to push that. You know, the USA, uh, the the U the US players. So yeah. I think if Leeds have a couple of US internationals in there. Anytime they can get those guys on TV, especially Aronson, who's been playing really well, mm-hmm. um, and Tyler Adams, I think they're going to do it because, you know, they know the World Cup's going to be coming up and they're, they're going to want the fans to already have a, a clue of who these players are. No, for and sure. I, you can say the same thing. Chelsea, I mean, I don't know what Pulisic, Pulisic's deal is going to be, but especially because he hasn't been starting for Chelsea, but, um, you know, anytime Chelsea have a chance to be on Network 2, they they, they should pounce on it if Pulisic's going to be in the 11th. In I agree. And what's interesting to me with Christian Pulisic
0: is that, like, he cut his teeth on the Thomas Tuchel at Dortmund. So it sort of felt as if when Chelsea signed him, Tuchel this is, to manage in the wake of Frank Lampard, it was like, oh, this is because they want the American to be the star. And it has been the opposite. But also, after winning Champions League, I don't think anyone's really looked good under
1: crucial at chelsea it, 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 it's very weird i mean the, first of all uh Pulisic ha- has been hurt a couple of times and i think it i don't know for whatever reason it just hasn't panned out the last year or two he has scored a couple of important goals but there have been times where he, he he's had chances and just hasn't finished them and it'll be interesting to see how he does in the world cup especially with the u.s and england in the same group yes and right and and, and wales so he's right. obviously going to be going up against players that he's he's used to playing against. So that'll be interesting to see how he does it. He's got to step up because if he if he underperforms in the World Cup, he's going to draw a lot of criticism. So he's got to play well. Right. And he's a player whose shoes I wouldn't want to be in, especially
0: the fact that he's now a just a bench player, you know, because you're right. He's got more pressure on him than, say, Weston McKinney or or oh, yeah. Aronson at Leeds. Like, he now has got to – He, if you want the nickname Captain America, and you want Uh, and you want to do commercials for Volkswagen, where you're on, where like I don't know, I can't figure out that commercial for the life of me. Are you mocking mental health? Are you (laughs) promoting it? But you're sitting there going like, "There's so much pressure. There's so much pressure." It's like, dude, you wanted this. Like you wanted. you're, You're adding
1: to it almost.
0: Right, like you want to do a silly dance after you score, and then. I don't know, like then go play in Ohio for during a friendly match and then claim like, oh, I wish there was more Americans here and then leaving people to be like scratching their heads going like, is that a racist comment? Or like, do you not understand that like there's a recession in this country and you're charging hundreds of dollars, not you, Christian Pulisic, but like the U.S. men's national team and U.S. soccer are charging hundreds of dollars to go to a game in the middle of Ohio, pay for parking, pay for this, pay for that. Like it's not cheap.
1: Like, dude, it all adds up, but but it's also not good good for it's also not good for the U.S. national team that he's not playing as much. He's got to get more time before the World Cup and you don't want him to get hurt, but he's got to get more than what he's getting at Chelsea. And I think been rumors about a Newcastle transfer, but who knows if it's going to happen? I I don't think it's going to happen now, but I mean, he's got to get more playing time. And it's weird because if you've been following Chelsea and their transfers this summer, they've been making a lot of moves. So you think he'd be in a position to maybe get some more time, but it just hasn't happened. And if you look, not not to stray away from our, our main topics, but right. guys like Kai Havertz and Mason Mount just haven't been been playing that well this season. And so you think it'd be opportunity for Pulisic to get more more game time, but we'll have to see. I don't know.
0: I'm with you, man. Like I'm I'm a Chelsea supporter in terms of like Premier League teams. I, I like that team. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always had a, a rich Italian history, and that's what thing that has drawn them to me. Um, drawn me to them rather. And this season I had really high hopes, but you're right. Like everybody has sort of missed the mark. Um, And I don't know. And I don't know if it comes down to poor management or just these guys just don't care, but it's the kind of the opposite of what's going on in Everton and not to try and bring it back here, but also like Mm Chelsea is such a big club now that Stanford bridge is a sellout because it's so tiny. So even when the team plays, Poorly, fans will still show up, and there's always that support. Whereas Everton, they're gonna protest, they're gonna want more out of you. And every time I right. think Everton gets it right, whether it was signing Lukaku from Chelsea early on in his career, or even picking up someone like Samuel Eto, and last yeah. summer or, la- or last uh transfer window in January rather, not last summer, and the January transfer when they're picking up Van de Beek. You know, mm. I I always think that like Everton's getting it right, getting Ancelotti as a manager, landing Moise Kean. I feel that this team is going places, but alas, I'm proven wrong like every time. <laughs> if It's frustrating for me as a neutral. How is it for you as a fan?
1: Well, you're you're thinking positively when those things happen, right? And then it <laughs> ends up not working out. I, we are so we we've been through so much over the last. 27 now almost 28 years that since we last won a trophy 1995 FA Cup that now we're just we we think negative first so first of all I, lo- I love Lukaku and I thought Lukaku was at his best when he played for Everton not for anybody else um, there will be a number but, of Inter fans that will be listening that will disagree sure but- he, look he was great I think he had he was great he was great but if you just look back to some of Lukaku Everton highlights his physique, I thought, oh, was amazing. at his at his at his best, and I just he had some unbelievable moments for us that I just you know I have to, have to go back and watch of his, of his Inter highlights, but I thought I thought he was better at Everton than he was at United, and, oh, and now uh, again at Chelsea, obviously that didn't work out at all. Now he's back at Inter, but obviously you know terrible business for Chelsea there, right? Kind <laughs> of steal for Inter, really. Um, it, it, it's not only a
0: steal for Inter, but also it kind of highlights all of it. Highlights the end of the Abramovich era. Yeah, you think about yeah, it. But spend but, big, get the guy, yeah, yeah. and then doesn't work out. We saw it time and time and again whether it was Shevchenko, whether it was Alexander Pato, whether it was um, uh, who I, I um, oh man, this there, there's actually so many that I, I there's so many names and faces that I can't connect at the moment. But those are two that obviously come to mind. Yeah. Uh, and well, you know but, it happens like right yeah. before the war in Ukraine. So it's sort of just that was the that was the exclamation point and the final uh you know closing sentence and statement. I feel like was Lukaku mm-hmm. return to uh the return to Chelsea as like the final moment of the Abramovich era.
1: Yeah. But then go, going back to Everton, yeah, Van de Beek I initially was optimistic about that and I just felt that he wasn't getting game time with Oli. And I just thought, you know, this this could really work out. We we need a midfielder. And I was watching some of his Ajax matches just to see how he, he looked great. It's amazing. And even at even at Everton, his maybe his first two appearance, you know, looked okay, looked good, but then totally dropped off. And by the end, he was just on the bench. And in fact, there were some Everton fans who just started naming him Vanda Bench. And so it just it just didn't work out and it was alone and, and then you know United get Ten Hog and bring him back and it's just unfortunate it didn't work out. When it comes to Carlo, I, I know some people were just unhappy that he, he does a year and leaves or a year and a half, whatever leaves, goes to Real. But one if it was in his contract that he could go to Real if they if they came calling, you know, all oh, good, it's in the, it's in the contract. If Real was his dream, you know, I don't blame him for leaving at a time where we finished 10th and You have Madrid calling you, and of course, it's totally worked out great, right? Winning the league, winning the Champions League, totally worked out. So, I don't have any remorse against Carlo. I thought he was thought he did a you know good job when he was here. I thought his ideas and styles were good. There were some things that just didn't that were out of his control. One injuries, right? Mm -hmm. He had a lot of injuries that season when we finished 10th. Second, James Rodriguez, that I thought when he played, he was great. But he dictated when he was going to play. Right. And there were just some matches where he said, it felt like at least that he was saying, I'm not playing. I'm not I'm not playing. Oh, we you know, we got Southampton away. We got Burnley away. You know, physical teams away from home. No, I'm, I'm not fit, man. I'm not fit, boss. So it just felt like that. And it, we ended up losing a couple of games. You know, we lost to Sheffield United away 1-0, lost to Burnley away. Teams that finished, you know, either got, that were relegated or were close to it. And we ended up finishing 10th, but we were only three points, I believe, from seventh, maybe four or five points, six points from sixth. If we had actually won the games that we were supposed to win, uh we we, we would have been in, we would have played European football the following season. Right. And maybe Carlo doesn't leave. He probably still does because if we finished 10th and Real were calling, clearly, if we had made Europe, Madrid would have been calling. So right. I think. We, we were just we were just so close with Carlo to being in Europe the following season. We had won several games 1-0, um games that we were out outplayed, but we were intentionally playing counterattack football and we came away with a 1-0, 2-1 win. That you felt like we, you know, away from home as well because we had a pretty poor home record and without fans, but our away record was tremendous that season and it just felt like we kept stealing points away from home that we had no business uh earning, but we somehow did it. Um we took four points in Liverpool in Carlos, you know, in that, in that 10th play season, um, all the good teams we had either beaten or gotten points against somehow took four points in Liverpool. We beat Arsenal away. Um, we, we won, we, we drew three, three at United that season, Uh, you know, at Old Trafford, I believe we got some points from Chelsea, got four out of six from Leicester, got some good results against Spurs beat Spurs in, in, in the league cup. So, I think, you know, we made the quarters of the Carabao. I, I just think, I don't know. I I, th- I thought it was a very solid season. Tenth doesn't sound good at all, but it's only because we had lost, I believe, 5-0 to City, the final game of the season, um, and Sergio Aguero's final game where he scored right. a couple off the bench, I believe. Right. If the last couple of games had gone our way, we would have been six or seven, and we would have been in Europe somehow. But, you know what's uh, crazy is NBA, that? I guess. Carlo's
0: tenure, Ancelotti's tenure, despite being short-lived at Everton, like he came after he had a tumultuous time at Napoli, and I felt that, like Everton was just mm-hmm. as random um, because I didn't think he'd ever coach in City again after winning everything with Milan and him talking about Milan um, as like his team. He always talked about maybe coaching Roma one day because that's his favorite team as a yeah. fan, and he played for them early in his career. Yeah. So when he went to Napoli, I felt it was a little random. And there were, you know, a lot of things that happened. And that's a whole other podcast. But what's interesting with Everton, I felt that was even more random. And, and again, the tenure was short lived. Carlo Fantastico was the chant. And, you know, I had high hopes. And again, he's my favorite manager ever. So I was sort of going, if there's anybody that can do it great, it's going to be him. As you said, he leaves at a time when, Madrid calls, you don't really say no to them. But in the wake of him leaving and in seeing what's gone on with Everton, it harkens me back to a quote that Jose Mourinho had said when he left or was sacked rather from Manchester United. And the quote was uh similar it was I'm not I'm paraphrasing, but the quote was, I got united to second place. It was a miracle that I got united to second place. And saying things that only Jose Mourinho could say. Yeah, and it was just like what you know, what you see is not what went on. Basically, saying that the behind-the-scenes antics is far, far more tumultuous than what you think is going on on the field. Alluding to that again, only Mourinho can get away with saying that. But and right. Carlo's not going to air his dirty laundry. He's the antithesis of Mourinho. But right. that being said, like seeing what's gone on in the wake of Carlo leaving. I keep thinking about the Mourinho quote applying to Angelotti at Everton. Maybe there were things going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about because it seems as if whether it's Frank Lampard or anybody else, like, I don't, I don't know what can
1: fix this. Uh, I just, I, look, I think part of the downfall uh, has absolutely nothing to do with Carlo. And I think, Honestly, some of the players like that team. There was a time when around Christmas, I believe Christmas, we were either second or third. We we were we we're definitely in Champions League football by Christmas, which I know there's right. plenty of season left. But I, I don't think it's I don't think there was anything behind the scenes going on that 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 hurt us. I think it was a classic Everton situation where we don't win the games we're supposed to win. Right, we don't beat the teams in the relegation zone. We don't beat the teams. Having a, a crappy season, 15, 16th place, you know, we, we end up earning points against the top teams and we do really poorly against the 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 bad teams. That's exactly what happened. But I think what's led to the demise, uh the recent demise, is that one, we have an owner who has spent a lot of money, and I, I give him credit for at least spending a lot of money, but in the wrong places and mm. for the wrong players. Then you add the hiring of Rafa Benitez, which to this day, it's it, the most mind-boggling hire you could probably come up with. Why on earth? Ha, I just want to be in that meeting. like Right. On the wall, of the meeting of, of, of executives and the board saying, okay, we need a manager. We just came off Carlo, and uh, we, we could really use a successful manager who won the Champions League before and um, or has done well with teams, come in and, and really bring us back to, to what we used to be. Who can we bring in? And the, and, and the decision is to bring in Rafa Benitez. Absolutely shocking decision. And right, right. And, you would like and, if you're AC
0: Milan, you're not going to bring in Mourinho, who's won everything at Inter. You're not going to bring it in. Sounds
1: like a, it sounds like the. I, I can't even believe it was a discussion that he was on the short list. Right. If you're
0: in Real Madrid, you're not going to bring in Pep Guardiola. Like it's just certain things right. you don't do. It's just something you
1: you don't you don't. There's places you don't go, and <laughs> I think he's lucky because the start of the season actually went well out of the first four games we had won three out of the four and then we drew the other one so after four games i think we had we had 10 points yeah that's right we'd beaten southampton drew Leeds, beat burnley beat some of the you know teams that you know you know we expected to get some points out of it was only until you started going up against some of the better better clubs that you started to really see one, this was a terrible decision. He does not know <laughs> what he's doing, and the players are not backing him. And it took until a couple months into the season, we had lost two one to Wolves away, and then we finally, and then we lost to Norwich two one away, who ended up finishing last in the table, bottom. That we that we we said, it's gotta go, it's gotta go. And I think that's what it is. It's a mix of the owner not using the money correctly. Right. Aside okay. A nice aside from a nice stadium coming up, uh, and and the hiring of Rafa. If you know, I think if Carlo hadn't gotten the call from Real and he and he managed us last season, we would have been fine. We would have been fine.
0: Right. Yeah. I definitely think so, like yeah, it would have well, another season under his belt. I think things would be a lot different. You'd probably be in some sort of European football,
1: maybe in a Champions League. But 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 now with the conference league existing, I mean, right. and and if you win certain teams win certain cups, they get an auto bid to the Champions League. You know, if you know you finish seventh, you know seven out of twenty, you know is has to be doable for a club of the size of uh, of Everton with with the history. Totally, you know, just getting seventh and being in the conference league, just start there. I mean, look, look, you talk about Mourinho, talk Roma, Roma w- w- wins wins the conference league with Roma, fantastic uh, achievement. And you can I believe he said it was one of one of, if not the best achievements, uh, you know, things he had done because of the difficulty in the in the squad and you know, first season, all everything it was went through its spurs. I mean, the guy was in tears, I think, when they made the final.
0: He absolutely was. So, and he was in tears when they cried. He he then got the call to go to PSG this summer, and he's like, No, I'm not leaving here. And that right? to me is just like you can say whatever you want about Mourinho and and God knows I have. But one thing about him is is that when you give him gladiators and i know yeah i'm talking about roma but like when you have players that are gonna go and die by the shirt again the everton supporter like what the everton supporters want right Mm -hmm. you've got a team that can win like on paper that 2010 team that he wins the treble with at inter is a great team but they're not better than guardiola's barca or they're not better than that era Bayern Munich who they beat in the final like they are they're a solid team but are they treble contenders maybe and obviously they proved it and he did it and you know you can say what you want about the conference league but I say this and in defense of Roma and in defense of Mourinho is is that especially last
1: season it's a brand new trophy you're gonna want to be the first to win the new thing right of course. Of course. You want to set a precedent and I, I I'll have to check the matchups again, but I almost felt like the conference league final was a more entertaining matchup than the Europa league. Final. It was.
0: Oh, it absolutely was. It yeah. absolutely was. And I, and I I'm happy that you said that because I couldn't, I wasn't sure if I was feeling that just as a city off it. like I was cheering for Roma and I was cheering for the league and I was cheering for the Roma
1: fans. Cause it's just be nice to get recognized, you know, Right. Um, and, and, no, and nothing against, and I believe it was Sevilla and yeah, and and Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt. Nothing against them, but Roma and Firenord just seemed like a more juicy matchup for me. Yeah, and it and, and it did,
0: and it proved to be, and it, and yeah. and I think again, when you have someone like Mourinho who's gonna be passionate, and then cries in the end, and you have players that are just like, holy cow, and a trophy comes to this a city for the first time in nearly twenty years. And again, it doesn't matter if the trophy is a trophy and it's European. As you said, it's like it, it you win enough. It could then bring you to new heights. Now they're in Europa League. Um, You know, yeah. they're as we speak, as we speak, they're currently at the top of the city.
1: Our table. It's great. Oh, and Sorry. let me correct myself, by the way, the Europa League final was in Seville but it was it was Eintracht Frankfurt and Rangers not Sevilla.
0: Oh, okay. okay. All right. I
1: but yeah, okay. but still. But and, and that was and that was an entertain and I believe that was a penalty shootout, but but still. I just on paper heading in I was like Conference League is actually, you know, respect. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. You know,
0: as you touched on earlier, Everton runs in your blood. As your father is a huge supporter of the team and knowing your mm-hmm. dad, he's also one of the biggest fans of this club, I know by far and large. Did you <laughs> yeah. ever have a choice in the matter of what team you wanted to support or you had to be a toffee right away?
1: Well, we're, we're, we are, we're chosen. We're chosen. And that's it. I mean, there, there was, I mean, there was no choice. I mean, I grew up, I grew up as a baby wearing, you know, Royal blue shirts. And Love it. I even, you know, ro- Royal blue bibs when I'm eating meals as a baby, there's pictures. And um, I mean, that, that's it. It's just ingrained into you from day one, which is great. I, I I mean, I, I love being an Everton fan. I don't want to be a support of anybody else, but yes, from an early, early stage, uh, it, it was this is who we support, and uh, we do it a thousand percent no matter what. So, and our, our slogan, you know, nil sodis nisi optimum, nothing but the best is good enough, and that's what embodies the supporters. Is you, nothing but the best is good enough. So then we go through these, uh, you know, n- you know, tough times. We say, you know, we're protesting to the board, protesting to the club. You know, our slogan is nothing but the best is good enough. We demand that. Why don't you? So, right. but go, you know, going back to childhood, uh I have some great fantastic memories of being an Everton fan. And they're they're not good enough memories of, of what we expect, but for me, I mean they're everything. I was I was born in ninety five, June ninety-five. So we win the FA Cup, May 95. And that's the last trophy. So I always joke that I'm like the bad luck charm because I literally was born. And from then, like that was it. Nothing, you know. But I have great memories of Duncan Ferguson heading in game win, you know, match winning goals as a child. Uh, when I was 14, we beat United in the FA Cup semi-final on penalties. I still watch those highlights, that penalty shootout on YouTube like once a month, still. And it's been 13 years. Uh And people might listen to that later and laugh and be like, yeah, that's because there's not too many good moments. But for me, that was like one of my favorite moments. One, we're playing United, FA Cup semifinal at Wembley. We hold them to a nil-nil draw for 120 minutes. We go into a penalty shootout. Tim Cahill, one of my favorite players ever, misses the first penalty. So we're thinking, uh, we watch him miss the first penalty, skies it into row X, and we're like, we're going to lose this aren't We, we just watched a two hour match. We don't get conceded goal and we're going to lose because our players can't put the ball in the back of the net. My dad and I, I'm nearly in tears. And The thing just started. Luckily, Tim Howard saves us. He saves two penalties in a row and was the hero of that. And finally we, we, am uh, trying to, uh, trying to put Leighton Baines, put one in. I should remember everyone who scored. Uh, and <laughs> finally, Phil Jack, Phil Jack Yelka put in the game winning penalty. Um, in the shootout to win and it was just a phenomenal day and i'll never forget that another great memory uh dan gosling extra time winner against liverpool in the fa cup i believe that was the year after that maybe maybe a year or two after that but it was around the same time 09 10 11 we had some 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 good memories there game winning goal in the in a fourth round replay at goodison and uh no just so there's just some fantastic moments that for some might think that they're they're little but for me they're they're everything
0: you know, and that's the beauty of fandom, though, is, is that especially when you're the team, you're a fan of an underdog. And in your lifetime, they've been the underdog. You know, in your dad's mm-hmm. time, it's been different. As you said, in the 80s, early 90s, they were they were great. I mean, they were they
1: were the team.
0: You know, they were the team in England.
1: The, in the 80s, in the 80s, Everton and Liverpool were the two best teams in England uh, and two of the best, if not the best in Europe. I mean, they're going back and forth in the league, back and forth. FA Cup back and forth in Europe. I mean, the, they dominated football in the '80s, and there was no question about it. So, so I understand, you know. Yeah.
0: What's great is is that you don't have copies of my questions and led me perfectly into my next question, which is <laughs> rivalries in any sport are fantastic and can be healthy if done in a respectful way. I love learning about various rivalries around the footballing world, but one that always catches my eye is the Merseyside derby. Mm-hmm. Aside from sharing the same city, what is it about Liverpool and Everton that separates the two fan bases and makes this rivalry so historic?
1: Well, one, both both original clubs, right, founding founding clubs. Uh, I think the fact that the stadiums are only half a mile apart, um, the fact that it is a city, but it's not you know a giant city. It's not London, right? Um, I think it's it's to describe it to it. You know, maybe a listener just an, an American sports fan. It's almost like having the Yankees and the Red Sox in the same city, and Fenway and Yankee Stadium are half a mile from each other. I mean, that's really what it's like. And they nickname it the Friendly Derby, but I don't see anything friendly about it. Hey, now in, now there are now there are families, right? You know, families that are split. You know, uh, husband's uh, uh, Everton fan, wife's a Liverpool fan. The kids are split there. And so I, I get that you have friends who support it, but but in reality, it, there's nothing friendly about it at all. It is one of the more, more, most physical derbies you'll come across. Celtic and Rangers, you know, might be the might be the tops of the crazy derbies, but Everton Liverpool's right up there, and it, it's a physical game. It, it produces the most red cards I believe out of any fixture. Um, it's the most played fixture I believe uh, because they're founding clubs, and I just think the proximity of the stadiums. Um, And the proximity of the stadiums to actual homes. I mean, you could, you know, uh, depending on where you live, you could open up your window and throw a rock. (laughs) But um, that's just how Goodison is. And so I think, uh, I just think it all adds to it. And you're thinking about it uh, every day leading up to the week, leading up to it. It's all, it's always marked on your calendar. Um, When we're recording this, they are playing at Goodison Park this Saturday. Now, because that's taken up now, because of midweek games, that sort of has gone away a little bit because you're focused on that the next game. So like since Saturday we've been thinking about been thinking about the Leeds match, right. Now that that's over, it, everything is about the Liverpool match now. But it used to be, and you speak to my father about it, it, it every since the when, when the previous game is over, you're immediately thinking about the the Derby game. And so you know it, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Obviously didn't go away in both fixtures last season. But when we had Carlo the year before we drew two, two at home and then we beat them two nil away at Anfield and beat them for the first time in, I don't know how many years at <laughs> Anfield. So, uh, and if you remember that game, Thomas, Rodriguez, it was like the third minute for scored and Thomas Rodriguez fed a beautiful pass into Charleston. That's right. And yes. And then, and then we had a penalty Laid on to make it two nil guilty cigarettes and scored a penalty with like maybe 10 minutes to go and we won two 0 so not, you know it was great it was great so it hasn't gone our way it didn't go away last season but I'm, I'm you know you're always hopeful you always think uh you know throughout the week oh we're gonna get beat we're gonna get beat three nil four nil then it's like an hour before the game and you're like screw it, we're gonna win <laughs> and uh you just hope that it happens and you know obviously more often than not it hasn't happened but i have some great memories of derby matches throughout my my life that we have won uh and in 2004 2005 everton made the champions league fourth place liverpool were fifth and part of that was because we had beaten them at goodison 1-0 and uh, i believe lee carsley scored a 68th minute goal to give us the win so you know really great memories great memories of the derby but it's certainly not friendly for me (laughs) anyone who knows me knows it's not friendly for me at all it's it is
0: I, I got to get your dad on here. Um, of course, it might be yeah. the first father-son uh, episode <laughs> I'll record separately. Because what's funny is, is that I do feel like I am talking to your pops uh, because he, he'll say the same thing. It's like, mate, it's not friendly. It's not friendly for me. Like I, I get it, how huge it is. Um, I'm excited that you're excited, but and I'm excited too. But this is not this is this is this is be all end all.
1: But, we, uh, but I will. One quick other point is we we there is an excitement about leading up to it, but there's also dread because. Because we know it hasn't been going well lately. so you just dread it because you know that you're gonna hear about it from Liverpool fans, whether that's on social media or family or f- friends. One of my best friends from college uh, is from Liverpool and is a Liverpool fan it went, went to Quinnipiac and played on the played on the footy team. And so I just know I'm gonna hear about it for the next, <laughs> however long. and so you do dread it because you know it's probably not going to go your way and you just it just pains. It you just, it just heartbreak, you know, most of the time, but you, you know, you hope for the best.
0: For sure, man. It's uh, I wish you all luck. And it's, <laughs> it, I. you know, it's as a neutral again, it's, it's I'll, I'll probably be watching. It's also Derby de la Madonina, which is Inter and AC Milan. Yeah. So, you know, again, another historic one, that one I will say is a little bit more friendly than the Merseyside Derby because it's just, What's great about the Milan Derby is always, it's a push and pull. Both of those teams need each other. It's They're like derelict cousins where they, when one team is doing good, the other one has to do great. When one team is doing terrible, the other one has to do even worse. Um, it's just this bizarre, you know, and it's this bizarre thing. But when, even when both teams are in the doldrums or both crap, um, and it was like that for a while in the last decade, but that was the one thing like the, even if, even if Milan finishes 10th, it doesn't matter. Like we're going to do everything for that Derby. And, it, and again, it's like, it, that's what's great about beautiful derbies like that. You have obviously El Clasico. You said, you mentioned Glasgow and Celtic. I mean, Rangers Celtic rather. There's also yeah. the Roma Derby. There's also, uh, of course, you know, my favorite in the world, which is the Boca river rivalry, Um, because there's nothing friendly about that one at all. Like you're like that's that's it. Like all bets are off. Um, but but again, like the Merseyside Derby for me is just it's it's one of those special moments and one of those special games that even as a neutral, I, I, I gotta watch, I gotta tune into it because it's gonna be entertaining. It's the it's the one that again, even if one of the teams or both teams are having a crap season or a great season, that game is played as if it is a final.
1: Yeah absolutely yeah no absolutely and it's all it's almost if we know you know this is the i will say this game is early on in the season it's going to be the sixth game of the season but normally if we know the season's not going well and we're going to finish 12th right and it's like bang average season you know whatever nothing you know nothing to really play for because we're not going to get relegated but we're not going to make europe it's sort of fluctuating between like you know 10th and 13th 9th and 13th whatever but if we can at least win one of the derby matches you know end of the season we'll think all right at least we got that you know, at least we beat united this season at least we did that you know so if we can get a win against liverpool and good win against united even if we don't fin- get, don't make europe at least there's some positives to take away and some bragging rights there the one thing i'll say and you're a huge Serie A fan the one thing i'll say that i i enjoy about Syrian is the last three years there have been three different league winners Yeah, buddy. and you know, and that's the thing with Premier league. It's like city's won what four out of five Liverpool won one, the other it's been city at city Liverpool clearly last couple of years, Chelsea in that, you know, threatening a little bit, but at least serial, you know, what, and you know, obviously once Ronaldo left, it's really opened up opportunity for three, maybe even, you know, four or five teams to compete in there. If you want to add Napoli's had some good seasons, obviously Roma this year, can they compete with Marino? I don't know, but you know, there's definitely, I don't think you, there's no definitive winner, I think, in Serie A the last couple of years. I agree,
0: and and I appreciate you saying that, because for so long, and look, how you and your pops feel about Liverpool is kind of how I feel, is not kind of, it is how I feel about Juventus, right? So imagine the team that you hate the most winning (laughs) for, like, nearly a decade, right? Or, you know, it's but the thing is, is that the league needed, I hate to say this, but the league needed a good kick in the ass. It still needs it needs a bigger kick in the ass. Um, but that was the kick in the ass that needed to drive other people and other teams to realize, like, look, we got to bring down the behemoth. Like, they're doing everything right. They are 100% doing everything right, from a new stadium to getting the best guys on free transfers that have uh, great uh, – great records and they're veterans but and but they're just old enough that they still have fire in their stomach to compete uh they made champions league final uh twice you know lost to both of the huge la liga clubs madrid and barcelona so Mm -hmm. you know they were they were the apex and the thing that you want to do right they were the the banner in which things should be excelling inter gets new investors they get Antonio Conte. And of course that breaks the cycle. Awesome. And it was just like, yes, finally someone knew. And it was just like, you know, again, as I said, like inter fans felt the drought the same way Milan fans did last year. Milan wins this season. There are about a good seven, eight teams. And that's no lie that could be every weekend. I'm changing who I think could win the league. You know, like I have high hopes for Roma. I have, I think Inter is going to be great. I think Juventus might shock a lot of people, but we'll see. Uh, sure. Milan, Milan knows what's at stake, and they've got a good young team. They've kept the core. You have Lazio, and people are counting them out, but Maurizio Sarri is a, is a tact- tactical master. Um, even winning Europa League with Chelsea – you have uh, Napoli, as you said, and they had a very good transfer window. And as we speak, might actually get Ronaldo. Um, so yes. we don't know. That's a rumor right now. The, the as, as this episode is being recorded, there are still 24 hours left in the marketo. So by the time it airs, we will know, obviously. But, you know, Atalanta has done everything right over the last few years on the Gasparini and buying low and selling high but maintaining a physical presence Fiorentina has stepped it up this summer so you've got tons of teams that could really 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 make some noise it is probably the toughest city off season to call in in over a decade and that to me I like it it gives me goosebumps because even if my team doesn't win, right? Or we come in, as long as we qualify for Champions League, I'm sort of like, okay, that's fine. You know, Champions League is our home. That's where we belong. But yeah, whoever wins City A this year, every, of course, whoever wins it every year deserves it. But whoever wins it this year will be, you would have had to have put on the most tactical masterclass and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. I'm really excited. And, you know, I know we've been talking about Premier League, but, it's this is if you're gonna watch, this is the season to watch.
1: Yeah, and I just I was just checking out the standings real quick from Serie A last season because I knew there was a great race to the, to the win for, for Milan. It came and down to the final game, bro. It came you know, down to the Milan final game. Inter, Milan, Inter, and Napoli all three had won their final four games, I believe. Yeah, and it was just it it, it came down to the final game. But I, I thought Napoli had a great season. They I thought did. Napoli were great great and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing them this season too uh especially in europe so you're going to have a I, lot I of fun with great. them in
0: europe it, you know if you if you want napoli to be your club to keep an eye on they are so much fun to watch right now we're just a few weeks in they they had a very very quiet mercato or, i mean not quiet they had a very good mercato good transfer window
1: mm-hmm.
0: um allegedly they're going to pick up cale navas again by the time this podcast there is that may have happened Yeah, I heard
1: about that. I think that's a good good move, obviously. Well, he needs some game time, and he's not going to get it at PSG, and uh, I think it'd be a great move. It'd be great, and it brings the experience, and again, it takes a page out of what Juventus had done, because that's
0: a move that Juve would have done circa five, six, seven years ago. Granted, they had Buffon, so they were never going to sign another keeper, but that's a move that they would have done. And that's what, you know, teams got to start thinking about now. Um, you know, Milan did it this summer with Origi, which I was very excited by. Roma did it with uh, uh, Winaldum and Dybala, which, oh no, I'm sorry. They paid for Dybala. They got Wijnaldum and Bellotti. They just signed Bellotti.
1: So, right, Mourinho's right, right.
0: doing very smart. He, again, it's taking what, if Juve was the model for so long, it's now like, now it's time to adapt and do that. And Napoli, again, like they, what they have done and what Spalletti has done is impressive. And they have this kid who I cannot pronounce his name for the life of me. And I'm not even going to attempt it, but he is a wonderful (laughs) uh, attacking mid from Georgia, the country of Georgia. And Mm -hmm. the nickname now is uh, Cavadonna. Um, Watch his, the three goals that he has scored just in the first three weeks of this uh, season and your mind will go, holy cow! This guy is unbelievable. Like they pulled off the signing of the summer. Um, if he can maintain that, and this, and now they have depth. Like Napoli is a team
1: yeah.
0: that is, and though, and you want to talk about fans that deserve something. It, it's Everton fans and it's Napoli fans that deserve <laughs> something.
1: Well, I'm a big Napoli fan now because they have Liverpool in the group in their same group in the Champions League. So That's right. I believe the first Champions League group game is against Liverpool uh, in Italy. So uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's like in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, it's 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 Liverpool, Napoli, Rangers, and Ajax. It's a good group. It's a great, great group. group. So so we'll see. Yeah, so I'll be rooting for them. Nice.
0: All right, buddy. We'll be chatting about that. Before we jump into the final section, I want to just chat about you for a hot second, which obviously mm. this has all been about you and Everton. But professionally, you're a news reporter and a journalist who has covered everything from politics to sports to state fairs to true crime. And anyone out there that's listening, because I do have a lot of people that are interested in journalism and always asking me questions, which I'm very flattered by. And now I'm excited to have another journalist on here. But anybody that wants to get into this field, especially now in a time where journalists are people thumb their nose at what we do and people like look at us as if we're the enemy of the people, um, which we're not. We're just doing, you know, we're, we're broadcasting what is happening. You know, what advice do you have for people that want to get into this field?
1: Uh, I would say take any opportunity you can get to improve, improve the craft and to gain experience. It's all about experience. And I I never thought in a million years I would be a news reporter. I always thought I would be a sports reporter. But when I got out of college and I was applying for jobs, I got an opportunity to be a news reporter. And I just said, you know what? Let, let, let's do it. Let's just see what happens. It doesn't work out? It doesn't work out. And I got into it, and I, I've loved it. And so you don't always, you know, you may think you know what you want to do, but things things can change. And I think uh, I really enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy um, covering stories in Connecticut, on um, whether that's crime, politics, um, and some of the some of the softer stories, you know, feature stories, just telling stories of people in Connecticut. It's great. My, my advice would be to stay focused and to take take the opportunities when you can. And I don't want to quote Michael Scott who quoted Wayne Gretzky but <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So you know, I, I would just say don't let I guess the perception of the media uh over the last few years um alter, you know, what you want to do. If you want to get into this because you're passionate about journalism and and reporting and 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 giving Uh, people in your community information that they need and want uh, you know you should do it go go after it and life it'll just you'll figure it out you'll figure it out as you go and uh, it's been the best decision i made i love doing it and i love being in connecticut and um it's been so great so just keep pushing on
0: i love it man perfect words of advice currently where can people (laughs) find you to tune in or find you on the
1: On the social media, like where, where can people find Dylan Viron? Sure. So uh, if you are in Connecticut, you can find me on WFSB, which is channel three here um, in the Hartford New Haven market. Uh, If you are outside of Connecticut, which I imagine there'll be a lot of people outside of Connecticut listening to this, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at Dylan Fearon with a little underscore afterwards, because I think for whatever reason, there was some other guy named Dylan Fearon who took the handle before me so it's through a little underscore underneath and you can always find me on Facebook at, at Dylan fear and TV so I post a lot of stories there post a lot of Everton commentary on there um you know relieving a lot of the Everton stress and uh negativity on onto Twitter but yeah throw, throw me a follow I, I I like to engage with with fans and just people in general so I would love to talk to anybody about uh football Everton life in general find me on there
0: fantastic you know and I will say this Dylan's such a pro that even on Twitter when he's angry at his team he is still very professional about it whereas like I'm cursing the heavens when I shouldn't be um, so
1: it's weird I, I, I like want to but I'm I'm just like I just I just I just can't I just imagine that someone from my station who doesn't follow football who doesn't follow Everton would just see one of my tweets and just think what the hell is he talking dude i thing? get it no it's like that's you know,
0: like you know i i you know i've learned to just you know as you know the saying is like don't text and drive it which you should you should never text and drive but i just put that psa out there but also you know don't text and watch uh watch football at the same time like i just put it away at halftime i'll scroll i'll comment i'll say something that needs to happen and then put it back again because
1: i i I will i will live tweet some games but there are others that i'll like you know what let me wait till like two hours after the game to put out a couple of thoughts it'll just seem better that way but also it's funny because i don't want to live tweet some of the midweek games on days that i'm working because some of these games are like three o'clock and it's like the last thing i need is like People thinking that, like, well, I'm, you know, obviously I I, I work right and I, I work hard, but there's some times where it's like three o'clock and there's a little downtime and it's like, all right, let me put on NBC Sports. Let me see, you know, I gotta catch some of this game, but I don't I don't want to tweet. And then pe- my pe- my news director bosses are like, <laughs> Aren't you writing script? Like, what are you what are you doing? And I'm like, Don't worry, don't worry. I got so I, I got to, I'm making deadlines. i deadline, like, not live tweet the midweek games. I'll live tweet a Saturday game, Sunday game, but it's a Tuesday three o'clock. I try to just like sneak a sneak a few minute look. While All I'll right. My stories. No. All <laughs> right. So
0: I, I I I won't expect any Champions League coverage
1: from Napoli then. Now that you're no, a new no, Napoli no fan. fan. None of that, <laughs> unless unless uh, Napoli scores or or, or or is winning. I'll throw out one because I'll be so excited that Liverpool's <laughs> just like I was when they lost to Real. <laughs> Beautiful man. Alright, we're coming up now. This is my
0: favorite part of the podcast. Now time for a coffee break.
1: Curva Mundial is sponsored by Modcup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Modcup, drink modern coffee. Use code Mundial for 10% off your first order.
0: And it is the three rapid fire questions. So, question number one. If you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and
1: why? Uh, do, sorry, do they have to be an Everton player? Or it can be any player ever. One, re- I'm sorry, one retired Evertonian.
0: Or yeah, alive or dead. One retired Evertonian,
1: alive or dead. This will be probably an unpopular answer, but I'm going to go with Gary Lineker right now because wow, again, he played, played for Everton, played for, well, and this is the reason, just based on what's going on right now with Everton. But one he played for everton for a season he scored 30 goals thought he was great ends up going to barcelona right obviously he had a great career he was a f- fantastic striker um undeniably fantastic striker and that's exactly what we need right now we need someone who can finish who's going to put balls in the net uh with his eyes closed and gary lineker did exactly that so and he was in the 80s He played for the played for everton in the 80s had a great career even though we had a very short career with Everton, I would say bring him back right now for a season. He would bang in 30 goals right now and we would uh, we would have a, a good finish to the season. I love good it. Season. I love it because, you know, what's funny. I've been on a Gary Lineker kick lately because
0: mm-hmm. he actually owns a production company and is doing a lot of content for FIFA Plus, the free streaming it's not an app yet. And I hope FIFA actually makes it an app that I can get it on my Roku that I don't have to watch it on my phone or laptop, but it is, uh, he's got a lot of great content that his company is putting out, but he's hosting a series for them where he talks about, where he interviews uh, former golden boot winners of world cups, obviously him being one from uh, 86, but he, the Mm. episode with him and Toto Scalacci, who was like my childhood hero, like it moved me to tears and I have a whole new profound respect for Gary Lineker as a, as a presenter. Um, yeah, he's, he's, think great. he's
1: great. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. he's fantastic. And I know the rapid fire, but I mean, if you get, if you asked me my top 10 Everton players, he would not be on that list. because he only played for one season, but given what this current squad needs, I think he'd be perfect. I love asking that question because it's always about,
0: what the team now needs and that's and that's what it is but it's always yeah. funny that like that you know like the the thought process not funny it's i love it i love the thought process in it mm-hmm. and by rapid fire i mean like you know i'm gonna come answer
1: to yeah. yeah yeah, yeah. 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 the name out there quick yeah
0: <laughs> all right so now this question money is not an option so if everton could sign one player today any player in the world who would it be and why
1: oh i would say holland no question about it One, sort of like the last answer, we need a striker really badly. He's so talented. He is strong, right? He's tall. He's very physically strong. He almost reminds me of of just almost like a taller, better Lukaku at the time when he played for Everton. He just was able to push guys away, muscle them out. Great finisher, great in the box. He doesn't uh, waste a ton of chances. And whenever he's in that box, when he gets the ball, I mean, you know it's going in. And he can do it all. He, He can shoot with either foot. He can head it. I, I think he's great, and he's such, so young that if money wasn't an issue, I, I would say you know get Holland and get him now. Of course, there are other world-class players, and you want to say who's the best player in the world right now, and uh, the, you know obviously the Mbappe's and Neymars, and um, you know. but He's in say, conversation
0: for that now, man. Like I
1: certainly in the he's certainly in the conversation for it. He certainly was a dude that
0: like I thought for sure that. This guy's gonna go to a blockbuster move to City. Pep doesn't really like strikers as like a position. Uh it's gonna be another Jack Grealish where they just spent money and not really right. utilized to the talent of what that player is. And I really rolled my eyes at it. I really thought that he was gonna crash and burn. And I'm so happy to be wrong.
1: Well, he is here's so much the thing- fun. Based on the contract and the release clause, I mean it only cost City like 50 million, which is obviously a steal for Holland, right? Right. His dad played for City, just as made make perfect sense. And 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 based on this the time we were taping this, I mean, he's had a great start to the season. And it's it's sort of like, like with Grealish, you were like the first couple of games he wasn't doing much, sometimes wasn't even, even starting. And it was like for this, for for Holland, it's been really I think it's been great for him that he's gotten off to this great of a start because now he can relax, right? He scored right. a couple at home. Scored a, scored away. Yeah, now, now he's comfortable. He can, He's going to end up putting in thirty goals. This year. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I would, I would. I would. Know, yeah, 30. I wouldn't put it past him um, either.
0: You know. And what's and, funny is, is that what you mentioned is is brilliant, man. Because you talked about something that a lot of folks don't discuss when it comes to strikers, and that's relaxation. And Bobo yeah. Vieri, Christian Vieri, when he was a commentator on B in Sports, he would talk about a lot, like when a striker in La Liga or City a a would like not be racking up the goals he would talk about it coming from the player's perspective and say it's a rhythm and when you get into the rhythm you don't stop and you want to be relaxed and you want to be tranquil and you want to be you know quiet about it. again I'm paraphrasing but he would talk about that mindset of yeah. total relaxation and this is a guy that was a goal scoring nomad across Europe so it's yeah. funny that you say that because you're right now that holland can relax i'm actually more fearful of him
1: yeah and and i think watching city last year i mean i was- you know they won the league uh and they they should have been in the in the champions league uh yeah. final. but you know watching them last season you you just thought man if they if they had a you know world-class striker if they had a you know at least a, v- a very very decent striker you know, they'd be a- unstoppable and then they get rid of jesus then they get rid of sterling uh you kind of thought they bring in Holland. it's like All right, how is this going to shape out and you know yeah they dropped a couple points against newcastle they they didn't start off well against Crystal Pals recently, you know, based on this taping. But I think they're going to be just fine, and I think they're going to be great. And you have, you know, I, you know, they have Julian Alvarez, Kieran Trippier. They're going to they're be fantastic. I mean, just as good, if not better, than they were last season.
0: Right. And I agree. And I, I
1: just think he's going to be great. He's got the confidence now; he can relax. And so, back to the original question. I know we're going on these tangents, but back, you know, <laughs> yeah, if money's not an issue, hundred percent Holland. Mbappe's sort of been a turnoff for me last maybe a month or so for whatever reason, but I think Holland, hundred percent. Cool, man. And finally,
0: and you've touched on this multiple times in this. So, but I need you to narrow it down to one. What is your Mm -hmm. favorite moment as a fan?
1: Oh God. Wow. Well, I think uh, if it was, if it's a memory that I have with my dad watching Everton play, and, and believe me, the memories are, are 100 times greater when I'm watching them with my dad. I, it would have to be that shootout against United. And it's it's tough because it was a semifinal. They win the shootout. I mean, we're, we're probably in tears. We're so happy. And then they end up losing in the final to Chelsea uh, 2-1. And I believe Frank Lampard, he scored one. Maybe he scored both, but I know he at least scored one goal in that final. But Everton scored like 25 seconds into that match. Louis Saha scored. It must have been the fastest goal scored in an FA Cup final. We had, we went up about 25, 30 seconds into the game and ended up losing 2-1. So fell short with the trophy. But just the memory of being with my dad, watching them win the shootout against United, obviously made it even more special. Um, and and going down early with Tim Cale missing uh, the, his first penalty and then Finding a way to win, thanks to Tim Howard and, and Leighton Baines and Phil Jagielka and and, and some of the – Phil Neville scored one for us, which was important because he had played for United. Uh, I think just that's got to be my favorite one as a kid um, and being just being so happy and, and nothing else mattered for those two-and-a-half hours, and nothing else mattered that, that weekend because we had won. So I'd have to say that.
0: I love it. I can't think of a better way to end this. Dylan, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Sal, you're the man. Thanks so much for having me. Can't wait to, uh, for the next time. I can't wait for you to have my dad on. Yeah, That'll be no. great. Now we got to get Peter on. Now That's it. Gotta, It'll be my first father-son duo.
0: This is going to be great.
1: Got to get big Pete. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, that's Sal.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.